Welcome to this Dharma If You Dare bonus episode. We hope you enjoyed today's soundbite from Doug Capel Duncan and Catherine Poissarat Sensei as they give advice to a student about how to train the mind to be attentive to the details of their relative day-to-day reality without losing contact with the absolute truth that everything is light and empty of inherent existence. My question is about, yeah, that issue with um, seeing the solidity of objects like um, like my training's been being, being proactive and seeing what needs to be, be done, kind of that Capricornian idea. And it's very kind of materially orientated yet kind of with the spiritual big pictures, like, oh, seeing like, oh, things are light and empty. So how do I kind of reconcile those two things? Oh, such a great question. Good question. So this is the big challenge for every spiritual practitioner is to be living simultaneously in the world of relative truth, the world of objects, and in the world of absolute truth, which is the world of light, of spaciousness, of emptiness, of of shunyata. And using one, leveraging one to support the other. Now, when we're in the relative world, um, for example, Richard's talking about his Dharma training. He lives here at Clear Sky. And just like everywhere else and everyone else, it takes a certain amount of activity to run a retreat center like Clear Sky. And because we're spiritual practitioners, and especially because it's a retreat center, we're also trying to dwell in emptiness and spaciousness and light all of the time. I think this is where spiritual practitioners get a little bit of a stereotype. Like a police officer pulls you over for speeding and asks for your driver's license and you go, oh, I'm one with the universe. Like he's just going to give you a more expensive ticket if you do that. Um, However, we can draw on our sense of spaciousness to not get stressed out if we get pulled over for a speeding ticket and uh, treat the traffic police person with loving kindness and compassion and stay in a good state regardless of the outcome. And special bonus is it will probably be a better outcome no matter how you look at it if we draw on our sense of emptiness to relate in the relative world. So sensei talking from personal experience of traffic If, for example, someone you know gets pulled over. (laughs) So, Richard, uh, another take on the same question. Maybe the easiest way to to meet that relative truth, absolute truth that sensei was referring to is respect. And it's, it's really a respect for the integrity and the totality of the moment you're in. So if I am lifting my glass of water, I try to do it as mindfully as possible. Try to stay with the motion from beginning to end and importantly in the transition. So from when I'm reaching for the glass back to the dialogue back. So transitions in the material world are a really great way of seeing the bending of the light and how the light shifts and moves. So this. This is why Zen monasteries, you, you sweep the floor, you polish the brass, you know, you clean the lights and you do it every day in spite of the fact that it's spotless. It isn't about the actual action you're involved in. It's about the mindfulness that you bring to it. And then you watch the arisings that happen, whether you're bored or restless or irritated or happy. 
through that action and you try to see those arising as also emptying of the light. So it's a kind of respect for your own life and energy to be with where you are and what you're doing in the moment because it's the only life you have in the moment. That's the only life you ever get. And so the more you can respect that moment and see the emptiness and act with integrity in relationship to the object, the tool, the mind, the feelings, the thoughts, then the clear light mind is, is more obviously there in the radiance of your experience and the radiance of how you meet it. And this is contagious. The Japanese develop this relationship between absolute and relative truth, or, or sometimes called absolute reality and relative reality. They developed it to a very high degree. Richard lived for many years in Japan. And when they talk about ma, the space between things. So there are risings that take unlimited number of forms. And then those arisings pass away. And then there's a space between the arisings. So for example, if you're a musician, if you play music, you know that there's the notes of the music, but the notes of the music are in a way less important than the space in between the notes. And it's about the relationship between the notes and the space that makes beautiful music or a moving piece of music. We hope you enjoyed today's soundbite. If you're looking to incorporate more activities into your life to support contemplation and introspection, I recommend our weekly reflection series called 52 Reflections. Sign up for free and once a week you'll receive a short passage and follow-up prompt that you can use to frame your day, your week, or a meditation session. You can learn more and sign up for free by visiting planetdharma.com 52 reflections. See you next time and may all our efforts benefit all beings.